This week's podcast brought to you by International Falls, Minnesota. Where it's very cold, and this is ordinarily called our cold open, but we have so much incredible material. Hot material. Hot material. And, and cold, as in fresh, as in, as in uh, refrigerated. We don't want to keep you, keep you from it for too long. The material will keep, but we don't want to keep you from it. Right. Also, we, we don't have any anecdote for a cold open. We don't. So let's get right to it. Let's. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're starting this podcast for the third time now. The first time we talked over each other. The second time we had nothing to say. And now here we are. <laughs> here we are talking over each other with nothing to say. How about that? Well, we took a week off, sort of cleanse our palate, recharge our batteries. Uh, how's that working for you? It's working just fine. My my batteries are in a good place. I, right. I would say they're at a three-quarter to full, cha- full charge, but somewhere between three-quarter and full charge. How, how about your batteries? Are they double A, nine volt? What, what, what are your batteries? A, um, a Sears diehard battery? Do you remember the commercial where they would test the Sears diehard battery at International Falls, Minnesota? No. The coldest place in North America, or I forget what they say in the commercial. They would test the battery there. Well, they would, they would, you know, they could start the car in International Falls. Maybe that only aired in Minnesota. I but don't know. We were very proud of it. As you should have been. Have you ever been there? To International Falls? Yeah. No. I've been to the International House of Pancakes. What What is it? Are there waterfalls there? What are the International Falls? You're asking me? I've never been there. Oh. Okay. It's on the... Canadian border. We just know that it's cold there, it's which always, is why they were testing be, them there. When you would look, when people looked at newspapers, when people got newspapers and looked at them, they would have the weather listings for alphabetically for cities around America and then around the world. I, I used to look that. at those all the time. Yeah, so did I. Look at the temperature in Cairo. When it's, I was, when I would, you know, travel, you know, anytime you'd be on a plane, that was when you would be reading the USA Today, or that was the newspapers that was le- left outside your door at the hotel. I, I did. I would look at all the different temperatures in the cities across the country. It was interesting. When I would write weekly deadline stories for Sports Illustrated, particularly when I was a baseball beat writer for three years, and it would mean being in a hotel room every Sunday night writing for Monday morning or Saturday night, Saturday night writing for Sunday morning, depending on what the series was. Um, the worst thing was hearing the f- 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 the USA Today is being dropped outside the hotel room doors because th- then you knew that, I mean, you'd have the blackout curtains closed. You weren't really sure what time it was. You were just writing up against deadline. You had to write, you know, 3,000 words for 8 a.m. and then go catch a plane home. The worst were the signs that, you know, deadline was approaching where the USA Today is being dropped outside your door. The horrible first bird song from outside your room and the the bill being slid under the door, which was really their way of saying, Get out. What time time to file. 
what time would the USA Today come? Because the bill usually comes like what, like four thirty or five ish. The bill time? would come before, often come before the USA Today. I, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm I'm getting uh, unpleasant flashbacks just even thinking about it. Mm. But you just mentioned when you used to travel, you would check the temperatures, and um, a friend of mine just texted me something about. About about a book he was reading, and I said, "Oh, I have that book here somewhere." And I just went to find it, "The Movie Goer" by Walker Percy, and I opened it up, and there's a boarding pass from 1996 on the no longer existent Northwest Airlines from um, New York to Singapore. Huh. So I was reading that on a flight to Singapore. A lot of my bookmarks are are boarding pass boarding passes, and uh, I love finding those. Like when I flip through old books, and if you find an old boarding pass and you try to rack your brain, okay, what? why was I flying? And it wouldn't, for me, be as exotic as Singapore, but why was well, I flying to Boston in November? Why was I flying to wherever in, in July? Um, of course it would have been as that. exotic. You've flown around the world. You just, when you got there, instead of going to restaurants and museums, you went to play basketball in the same Went to a Dimension hotel court. and a gym, yes. Is anywhere true. else in the world. You know, you said before, you know, when people used to consume newspapers, well... Well, oh, our dogs still consume newspapers. Well, that's where I was going. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> when people used I'm to, sorry. Which is why I use that that word. Uh, when people used say, to consume newspapers, yes. we... Um, We've half trained the dog. We didn't even train the dog. I thought maybe this this puppy came automatically trained because our, our newspaper gets left at the at the end of our driveway. And we're like, you know, it'd be kind of sweet if we had a dog that would then bring it in the house. Well, we've realized that the dog does like to pick up the newspaper, which is in one of those clear plastic bags. But then the dog also likes to completely tear the newspaper up. The other day, I back out of the uh, out of our garage, pull up the driveway a little, I look over and in mulch there is what used to be a newspaper that is now it looks like it's been torn apart to be at the bottom of like uh which, which cages have those like a hamster parakeet. cage parakeet cage it is just like all torn up newspaper and i was a little disappointed because i kind of wanted to read the newspaper that day <laughs> she has since done it a second time so um this morning um I, sometimes you know we we drive over the newspaper multiple times before we Pick it, actually pick it up if we're bringing the kids to school or whatever this morning as soon as my car was pulling out of the driveway I grabbed the newspaper so the dog could no longer just eat it I think it was the dogs trying to stage a a news intervention for us when we had for a while there in the last couple of weeks we're watching cable news throughout the day checking well, our or at phones, least had it on had yes. it on and yeah. uh, and it was becoming oppressive to say the least and so i think the dogs were doing us a favor by by turning the newspaper into confetti before we could actually see the day's news i yeah. read the news today oh boy maybe uh they were they aren't emotional support dogs but maybe they've trained been trained to be emotional support dogs and that you're was their way of showing it you're supposed to train dogs puppies anyway on newspapers right <laughs> um, to house train be, them. That might be cats. No, to, to house train dogs, you have them um, go outside. Oh, don't you put newspapers down? What do you do? Who do you do that for? Cats, probably, like with kitty litter. No, well, you sure. don't. You don't I, want your dogs thinking it's okay to pee inside, even if it's on newspaper. At least I, I've never trained a dog that way, and I've and had in my life and it probably two puppies. <laughs> depends on the dog, and it depends on the newspaper. <laughs> True. <laughs> 
a couple weeks ago, our um, our youngest daughter had her final soccer game, and um, it was a really big deal for the kids because it was a night game, so they got to play under the lights, uh, an away game. And um, usually in fifth grade, you don't get that experience, but they got to do that. And um, the lights being diesel powered, mobile lights on wheels, right? That they wheel yes, in for a select perhaps, game a year, perhaps. Um, powered by the batteries that were tested in international falls minnesota yes this year's diehard yes and uh so anyway one of the girls uh, on our daughter's team her brother he's a seventh grade boy and he's super outgoing and super smart and willing to talk to any adult and any kid and um, any dog he loves dogs so he's always petting the dogs and stuff and um there was we were at the game, and this this the seventh grade boy um, walked over to a, another kid who was there, another boy who he hadn't seen before, and he and he started the conversation with, "What's your name?" And the boy told him, and then he said, uh, "Whose brother are you?" And then he said, "Do I know you?" And I was just sitting there thinking, "Gosh, I wish." like adults were okay with this communication because so often I would like to say some to somebody, what's your name? Do I know you? <laughs> who, who, who's your sister? Like when people come up and talk to you and, and you're supposed to know who they are and you just don't have any memory of meeting them or any recollection of where you were when you met them, how great would it be if, if we as adults were comfortable just saying well, that? We are. If if you have a press pass and you you go into journalism, then you can ask people impertinent questions, personal questions. Um, you know that from being on the other end of it, that uh, you can ask the most inane, invasive questions under the guise of journalism. I know, but I just like this being about the person's identity. Like, have we met before? Right. You know, as adults, how great would that be when you run into somebody at the grocery store, you run into somebody even at your kid's school and they look vaguely familiar. If you could just say to them without feeling like an idiot, what's your name? Have we met before? (laughs) Like, I wish I had that freedom to to not feel like an idiot if I asked those questions. Well, people ask you, you know, to remind them of who you are, or are you so-and-so? Sometimes they're correct, sometimes they're not. Um, but that's, I guess, I guess that's different if you're a public figure. Yeah, it's just like the, the people that you see in, in everyday interaction. I thought you were going to say the kid said, what's your name, who's your daddy? Right. Is he rich, is he rich like me? <laughs> what's that from? Time of the Season by the Zombies. It's the time. Well, then you can then fill that throw out. something in there. Um, it occurred to me too when you mentioned uh, the testing the batteries in International Falls, or perhaps I mentioned it. When they test batteries, do they do they test batteries with a battery of tests? The other night I was filling our bathtub again, full of water. Um, I don't know what else not I'd be champagne. filling it. <laughs> not, not That's what champagne. I do when you're out of town. <laughs> I don't. I don't get in. I just. I just. Insert a straw. Our our daughter, our youngest, what was the show that she was hoping? Oh, she likes to watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And um, is that the one? It's it's one of the shows she likes to watch. Is that the one with Jimmy Kimmel? Yes. Yes. So it was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire followed by one of those other um, game shows. She enjoys them. So she goes upstairs, crawl, you know, I let her watch watch some TV in bed with me. So we're sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden like, you cut in. Um, every local channel cuts in with a, a with a weather alert. Not only are we expecting strong winds, but there is now a tornado watch, which is, you know, 
unheard of at this time of year when it's cold, a tornado watch on the Connecticut-New York line. So for the next 10 or 15 minutes, we're watching the local weather. So that's why I filled the tub in case we were going to lose power. We would still be able to flush our toilets. So, But the poor kid, it's like 8.30, 8.45. We're getting, we're just trying to, you know, soothe things, calm her down until it's bedtime. <laughs> and instead, the the warning comes on and uh, I switched the channel at one point to, to cable. Um, I don't know if it's Disney Channel or whatever. And she's like, uh, can you put it back? She, she I think, is you know, terrified of tornadoes and wanted to just sit there and watch the weather. But, um, but that provided some, uh, some lovely excitement getting ready once again to, uh, to lose power. And then we didn't lose power, but we did not. Although people may have been watching the Sunday night football game that night. That was, uh, at Foxborough Patriots game. Mm-hmm. Cause my dad texted me that night and said, are you getting the same horrendous weather that, uh, the Patriots are getting right now? And I mean, the, I I could hear that we were, but too tired to get up and look outside. I just mentioned the tornado warnings and the thunderstorms that had passed through. But on TV, which I didn't have to get up to, to look at, um, you know, the, the rain was blowing sideways, and they kept cutting in an empty Gillette Stadium to these ushers, security. Who were they? They don't need ushers in an empty stadium standing in these um, – uh, transparent, you know, kind ponchos? of trash bag ponchos. Yeah, just being lashed like like uh, pirates on the bridge. Where were they? Were they on the field? Were no, they, they in the stands. Why would you have? I, I don't know. In the I, I, I had no the sound crowd. off. I had the sound off. I was actually that was Sunday night, so I was watching uh, the Patriots with the sound off and watching on TV. Well, this is terrible because I mean, how many screens do we need? And watching. Um, the crown on my iPad with the sound on because it's now season a new season of the a new, crown, uh, right? season four I think it is um, on uh, Sunday night and as you know I've never binge watched anything in my life no but our el- oldest daughter watched season one of the crown and recommended it and with a roll of the eyes and a and a world weary sigh I think I watched the first episode and then watched watched all of them since well it was funny because we were flipping between all of the the local channels and and all of them s- flipped over to their weather to give the the tornado warning and and most of them stayed on for about 10 or 15 minutes with the weatherman except for Sunday night football <laughs> that was the one where they returned to their previous pro- programming as quickly as they could and there might be a tornado people but we know you're going to be really mad if we don't put the football game back on and and that's of course a national game but if you cut into the patriots game in new england even this season, when it's not going so well, uh, I pity the fool who has to work that switchboard. Yeah. Do people still work switchboards? I don't think people so. People probably don't call the station. They they uh, hate tweet them or something. We'll see too. What's coming? Like, are we are we getting ready in Connecticut for another semi lockdown? Are we? What's uh, our kids are still at school? Fortunately, what is a semi lockdown? I don't know. But our kids, fortunately, are still able to attend school. Um, they have not had uh, COVID outbreaks among their um, peers, although I know some of the surrounding towns are dealing with that now. So, um, yeah, as we hear every day on the news about places all over the country, especially in your beloved Midwest that are getting crushed right now in terms of their positivity rate and COVID numbers, that uh, it's like we're just sitting here waiting for whatever is 
going to be next. I, I was cleaning. That's that's the motto of 2020. Just sitting here waiting for whatever's, <laughs> whatever's going next. to happen to us next. I was in the. Uh, Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> I was in the dining room cleaning up the other day. Finally, you know, getting rid of all the final um, Halloween decorations, prepping for. I think I'm going to do some Christmas decorations a little early this year because why the heck not? You think you're going um, to? You've yes. already begun. In fact, I picked up our ten-year-old at her friend's house on. Sunday, I guess, mm-hmm. and they had a tree up. And I, being the the rude um, guy that I am, I said, "Really, you got a tree up already?" And she said, "Yeah, anything we can do to look forward and give us hope in this in this um, blighted twenty twenty year." Um, I mean, that's the right attitude, isn't it? I guess is it? Yes, it certainly is. So the, but, the, but won't the effect wear off three weeks before Christmas and then? No. I mean, you, you got to look forward to Thanksgiving now, a Thanksgiving without any family or relatives, but Thanksgiving nonetheless. And then the day after Thanksgiving, or maybe even that night, you put up the tree. No. Well, yeah, the tree. I'm not going to put up our, you know, we're not going to go, because we have the live Christmas tree. We're not going to get the Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. But in, I might bring in, up. In defense might. of our friend, she said it was, uh, it was a... Uh, it was not the primary tree. It was a, a secondary or tertiary tree. Yes. So I, I just like that notion because even just the, the like Christmas lights, just the soft white lights, if they're on in a room in the evening, it just gives me, it makes me feel nice. So um, so anyway, I was, I was cleaning out the dining room and uh, we had a couple little mini pumpkins that had to be tossed. Um, you ceremonially tossed the I heaved my own head into head the woods into the hoping woods. that it would roll face down and I wouldn't have to look at it because it is orange and you can see it from inside the house there are no leaves on the trees so you can see in the woods and and of course it, it rolled some distance and then uh, landed face up so that I can I can watch wolves eat my face uh, from the comfort of my own family room lovely um and when I was in that dining room tidying up, I looked down and we have a pile of puzzles. And I was like, oh, it's time for me to bring those to the basement or bring those somewhere. And then I realized, mm, maybe not. <laughs> maybe we're going to be pulling out those puzzles in a couple of weeks when our state's back into lockdown <laughs> and uh, finding time to so piece them all together. There are at least two effective vaccines on the horizon, one of them partially funded by Dolly Parton. Did you read that? I did not. Yes, she uh, gave a million dollars to... Uh, that partially funded the Moderna vaccine. And then I, I've seen people online singing vaccine, vaccine to Dolly Parton's hit Jolene. So How does that even that happen? Did to. you read the article? Yeah, like- she, uh, she was in a fender bender, I think, in Tennessee and seven or eight years ago, went to Vanderbilt Medical Center. They took care of her and she donated a bunch of money to them. So, Wow. Well, good for her. Good for us. That exactly. one was it's a it's an over a ninety percent, ninety five percent or as, as ninety four point something right. Well, as as uh, people have noted online, it's working ninety five. <laughs> what a way to make a living. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, well, but have you ever you've never been to Dollywood in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and and, and no. had been given Dolly dollars to spend there? Have you? Uh, no. So it's just me then. Yes. Okay. Um, what do you spell the do- spend the dolly dollars on? Whatever you like. <laughs> okay. But we do have um, a bunch of 
thousand dollar bills laying around the house with Coach Oriama's face on them that fell from the roof of Gampo Pavilion when he had his um, thousandth victory. Our kids still use those, or at least our youngest daughter still uses those sometimes when she's playing with her little toy cash register. Gino, to whom uh, uh, the president-elect, when he was the vice president of the United States, met him in a like a receiving line at the MCI Center in Washington, I think before. He had, I think he had come US to Olympic watch team. the U.S. Olympic team practice or something yes, like that. Yes, and the U.S. Yeah. Olympic team was about to go to London. Um, and he went down and introduced himself to everybody. And when he got to Gino, he stopped and marveled and said, ah, if I had your hair, I'd be president right now. And, uh, and he is about to be. But uh, when, I, when I tweeted that um, during the election, several, I mean several, several people replied uh, hysterically that their brother, them personally, had, had met uh, then Vice President Biden and he, said it, he had said the exact same thing to them. Yeah. So it was a, uh, he would never say it to me, I can tell you that. Yeah, right. <laughs> True. Um, well, that is the one place I have plans to go in the next uh, couple of weeks. The, the, the UConn team is playing two games at the Mohegan Sun Arena in the bubble that is there. Um, they're going to play the winner of Maine and Mississippi State on the Sunday um, of Thanksgiving weekend, and my plan is to call that game. And then the following Friday, uh, UConn is playing Louisville, also in now, the Mohegan Sun bubble. Is there any chance that they will replicate this bubble for the uh, NCAA tournaments in the spring. I know they've said they won't have a bubble, but it is the only way that they could possibly On the men's side, they don't call they're not calling it a bubble, but there's the the NCAA I think said yesterday that on the men's side for the entire tournament they're going to have a single site, but which people assume is Indianapolis. Could this would this mean that some teams would go from on the bubble to in, in the, the bubble? <laughs> yes, that 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 would actually I mean, yes, be the case. It is it is something you can literally do. Have you ever seen you blow like a soap bubble and you put something in it and you yes. can, yeah. So. yeah. so they haven't announced anything yet on the women's side. I would imagine that would be coming as well because, I mean, if they're doing it on the men's side, you would imagine they'll do something similar for the women. But um, it's interesting protocol, even for just me to be able to go and call the game. Um, fortunately, you know, I'm local, so it's a drive. But um, I have to take a test at home a few days before and then the day before the game, I have to go to the... Like a written test? <laughs> you no, know, like you spit in a bottle and send it out. It's a, it's a COVID test that you take, you send your saliva, I guess, similar to a DNA test. And they, um, and within 24 hours, give you the result. And then the, the day before the game, I'll go to the Mohegan. I will take another um, COVID test, then have to quarantine in my room, not allowed to leave the hotel room until the results come in, which is the following mor morning, which is also the day of the game. And then I will have um, limited mobility, <laughs> or at least limited places where I can go, which to me will just be from my hotel room to the arena to call the game. So um, this is our new world of sporting How will you pass the time in your, in your hotel room quarantine besides ordering room service, uh, lounging in a bathrobe, and, and taking two-hour hot tubs. Yeah. All of those things will happen. Um, I will be doing the same thing I would be doing here. I'll be watching because basketball season will have started. So I'll be watching. You'll be other letting dogs in games. and out. 
feeding the kids yes. and doing laundry? Is that what you're I saying? will be watching basketball games in peace. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's at least right right now today on Tuesday as we record this. That is the plan. Tomorrow I might find out it's completely different. Three days from now, one of the teams may no longer be able to play. Who knows? But um, that's already the the start of this new weird world. And you uh, were very excited. You've been conducting uh, youth basketball masked practices, distanced and all that, um, in case there is any semblance of a season. If there isn't, then kids at least get to shoot hoops. But you got these masks uh, in the mail that you've been... I'm so excited. They came in today. So this was maybe three weeks ago. Um, Holly Rowe, my colleague, who does WNBA, women's college basketball, but also does college football. You may have seen her doing any two sport. back-to-back football oh, games past, on Saturday. This past Saturday, she was at first at Michigan State and then at Michigan to, to do that game as well that evening. So she did a, a report that she put on to, or an interview that she put on her Instagram account mm-hmm. with, um, I think it was the Clemson um, equipment manager. I guess he, along with some other equipment managers in the SEC, had developed their own had developed their own masks to be worn by coaches and players on the sidelines. And um, so I texted Holly immediately. I'm like, "This looks great. You know, is this does this mask work as well as it looks like it does?" And she said, "Yes, highly recommend it." So anyway, I put it in order. They finally came in, and um, they they must have gotten inundated with orders because they're backed up a little bit. But got the mask in today, and I put it on. You can breathe in this thing if you if you're interested in a sports mask. It's called helmetfitting.com. Helmetfitting.com. This, is, this isn't. This is not a paid endorsement. This is just a product it's that not came in today. Just... But like I can talk easily, and um, my voice isn't muffled because that was the thing I was noticing when I was coaching some of the kids is how much more I had to project my voice and kind of strain my voice so that they could hear me. And then I was thinking, man, is this thing too good to be true? Like, is it going to pass the um, the candle flame test? So, or the match test? So I lit, got out a match. I lit the match, and with the mask on, I tried to blow out the 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 match, and you couldn't. Like the 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 flame didn't even waver a little bit. So these things work, and and it also has an extra strap. So when you take it off your face, it kind of it's like almost like a lanyard. So it's around your neck when the kids are getting their water break or whatever. But I'm excited because they have practice tonight. I'm excited for our son to try it to see um, uh, to see if he's going to like it as much this, as I this do. This is you could be listening to this three months from now, but as we're recording this, there's breaking news, and I was going to tell you um, after. But can I break this to you now and get your reaction? Sure. The CIAC, the governing body of high school sports in Connecticut, has postponed the start date of winter sports to January 19th. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say I am encouraged because that means they haven't canceled the season. And, um, and when it comes presumably to, it's the right thing to do, of course, health-wise. And when it comes to this stuff, um, all I want is for the kids to be safe, of course. And if there's a way for them to still play sports safely, that's great. If um, if it's not safe to play, then of course they shouldn't play. So I guess I'm encouraged that it's not um, canceled. The last we had heard was that they were going to push it off till um, the end of uh, the end of November, beginning of December. So at least they haven't canceled it. Well, we were off for two weeks. I don't want to overdo it. You know, it's like spring training as a pitcher. You want to get back into it slowly throw a few innings, you know, 
don't try to go the distance. So should we go to viewer mail now? <laughs> okay, you yeah, it took me a second because I wasn't paying attention when you first started speaking. I'm like, what is he talking about? You weren't about? paying attention when I stopped speaking as yes. well. So, yes, yes, I think it's time to go to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, Ralph in Maryland writes, Hi, Restiva. If one is a registered independent in Connecticut, how are they assigned if they wish to work at the polls? It seems like they would be excluded from what you were doing with your friend. Actually, they were described to us by the two men in charge, who again, one was a Democrat, the other was a Republican. They were described as like, what's the blood type that you're a universal donor? I don't know. The O whatever they were described like yeah they were described like that they can work with either one so they um (laughs) instead of being excluded they are the one that is the most sought after um he was this is this is now our last podcast was right after election night i think so he is still watching election coverage how's it going slowly ever so slowly uh, ralph wrote on november 6th slowly ever so slowly inching toward the younger inching toward the older of the two men. Uh, if either of you can recognize the obscure reference to an ad that aired in the early 1960s, I would find that quite remarkable. I assume that's embedded in the slowly, ever so slowly. Uh, I don't know, though. Inching I, 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 to the old, towards the older? What is old, yeah, towards the yeah. older man? I don't know. But Ralph observes, observes. Observes. Ralph observes that, quote, basketball players chew gum a lot even during games. I have never, I've never, I was never able to chew gum during games. One of the reasons is because I always wore a mouth guard and so you can't chew gum. But I've had, I had teammates who would chew throughout the game. I, I don't know how they do it because you're talking so much or trying, it's hard to breathe. You're out of breath. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. This is a, this is a joke about traveling, but do you think James Harden can walk and chew gum at the same time? You're staring at me. Do I think? What was the question? I said this is a joke about traveling. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Never yes, mind. I think he can. June writes uh, about flea market and polls. Hi, you two. Hope this email finds you both well. I continue to enjoy your podcast. It's rare that I don't find several things to laugh about each week on the way to work. Well, maybe this week will be an exception. <laughs> we can hold uh, Rebecca, that. I appreciated the insight into what went on behind the scenes with regards to absentee voting, and I hope your daughter enjoyed the process as well. I think she did, don't you? Oh, yeah, she enjoyed it very much. As for flea markets, I understand that going to one won't happen anytime soon, if ever, for Steve. However, would you, Rebecca, go back? I've enjoyed them in the past and may one day again, once COVID-19, the pandemic is under control. Actually, I would say I would I would happily go to, to a flea market. I've been to the flea market at the Wellfleet Drive-In. And, and Cape Cod. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I would go back. I would definitely go back. Um, and I think our, you know, and our daughter was asking, can we go back again, even though... <laughs> We were only, when we were there a short time, she was uh, asking where the kids' stuff is. But um, yeah, it, it's fun just to walk around and see people's stuff. And and there's also just such a different variety of people there. I talked on the podcast about how much we enjoyed talking with the guy who had all of the books, including some really old books. Um, but yeah, def- definitely would go back. Uh, keep telling us your stories, writes June. I, for one, hope you don't run out for a long while. Best wishes. June for Georgia, Lawrenceville to be exact. Not June from Georgia, June for Georgia. June for Georgia. All right. I like that. Me too. Maybe she's running for office. Uh, Dr. Ken writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I've been meaning to write for some time, but couldn't do so until now. And so in the preferred bulleted fashion, and then there are 
a series of bullets here. That's Ready for fair. this bullet-riddled missive from Dr. Ken? Yes. Bullet one, the Oxford comma is essential. While certainly it must be left out when a style guide requires it, I highly recommend the Oxford comma to my students as well as to podcast listeners. And, and speaking of that, my friend and yours texted me yesterday. Let me find it. He texted me yesterday. Um, I'm giving up drinking until Christmas. Sorry, wrong pick punctuation. I'm giving up, period, drinking until Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, second bullet, I've always used the term glove box, although do, uh, although I do not know why. Everyone in my family said glove compartment, and I even think of it that way in my head sometimes. Whenever I say it out loud, though, it comes out glove box. Bullet, in another linguistic throwback, my father-in-law always calls the cooling appliance in the kitchen the ice box, even though such things have not been common for more than 50 years. I find this admirable. They used to call Metropolitan Stadium, they, Howard Cosell, used to call Metropolitan Stadium in my hometown, Bloomington, Minnesota, the ice box, when he would do halftime highlights on Monday Night Football, and now to Bloomington, Minnesota, and the ice box, Metropolitan Stadium. That was a source of pride. I didn't know what an ice box was because, of course, by the time I was born, they were called refrigerators. Do you think people who live um, where they test batteries? International Falls, Minnesota, where they give a battery of tests to test the batteries? Do you think they consider it, call their own town the ice box? I think they do, I, in a Howard Cosell voice. Uh, in the most recent podcast, writes Dr. Ken, Steve was talking about the humdrum activities of everyday life, reminding me of this passage from George Eliot's Middlemarch, which I taught earlier this semester at an estate sale, not a flea market, Rebecca. The auctioneer announces one lot saying, this tray contains a collection of trifles for the drawing room table, and trifles make the sum of human things, nothing more important than trifles. Not truffles. Not not truffles and not rifles. He's he's he is Doctor Ken is firing bullets out of his trifle. <laughs> and the next bullet is as part of the same conversation. Both is this Doctor Ken who uh, who we watch often on um, the Masked Singer? Oh, Doctor Ken Jong. Yes. I, uh, Could be. It, it, sadly, it's not. Not sadly, it's not. Happily, it's not because Doctor Ken um, in Fort Wayne, I believe, is. Uh, is is uh, a much better company than even the great Ken Jeong. Uh, as part of the same conversation, both Steve and Rebecca noted the tedium, tedia, question mark, associated with your jobs. For a long time, I used to have written on a note card taped to my desk this sentence from Richard, uh, Richard Atlick, Richard Altick, I'm sorry. The test of a vocation is a love of the drudgery it involves. Rebecca, would you concur with that? I would. I, I love my drudgery. Do you love your drudgery? Uh, I do love my drudgery. Um, you know, 98% of writing is is applying the seat of your pants to the chair. So, you know, viva the drudgery. Does the podcast have a resident quotation wrangler? If not, I submit my application. I confess I definitely can't compete with Steve's knowledge of popular culture's catchphrases, song lyrics, and ad slogans, but if you need something from Dusty Books, I'm your guy. Be well, stay safe, and thank you for the podcast. Your occasional correspondent, Dr. Ken. Typing this word, he ends with an asterisk. I missed the first keystroke, which resulted in the autocorrect Udcast. I thought you would want to know. I think that nails it. Thank you, Dr. Ken, for your, uh, for your uh, bullet-riddled email. Let's stop using the phrase bullet-riddled. Just say bullet point. Bullet pointed, better. That's better. That's better? Yeah. Bullet riddled, no? No. But thank you. It's metaphorical. You, you understand? I do. Okay. I just don't like it. I'm sorry, Rebecca. Do you care to repeat what you just said when I <laughs> when I paused to find the next email? I said it's friggin' freezing down here, and it's getting colder by the minute. And it is. It's cold. Rebecca writes Alex from St. Paul. 
hold up. You mentioned that you worked in a tobacco in the tobacco fields as a teenager. Then you continued as if that was no big deal. Can you expand on that? I doubt I'm the only one interested. Wonder if it might be the equivalent of the Midwest teenager job of detasseling corn. Rebecca, you've you've often uh, uh, remarked without uh, as if it weren't remarkable about. Uh, working in the tobacco field. Now, now, our listeners should understand, you grew up in 1940 in North Carolina, right? And anyone who grew up in Western Massachusetts or in the Northwest part of Connecticut, this is a this was a common job for kids. And one of the reasons was you could start working because it was agriculture. Um, you could start working when you were 14 or maybe even 13, whereas other jobs at a grocery store or wherever else, you, you couldn't start working until you were 16. So everybody that I knew all of my friends, you work in one of the many tobacco farms um, or fields in our town. And uh, and so they always segregated the boys and the girls. And so when the, the girls um, would tie the tobacco plants when they were really, really small, just a few inches high, you'd tie string around the plant and then you'd tie it to a wire that was above you. And as the plant grew and eventually it would grew, grow much taller than I am now, as the plant grew, one of the jobs was to wind the string around the plant so that when the wind came or whatever, the, the plants wouldn't get blown over. This was shade tobacco. So this is the tobacco. The leaves were used, the leaves were used and still are, there's still tobacco fields around here for cigar wrappers. And then um, once the plants got tall enough that the leaves on the bottom were full grown, the boys would be out in the fields picking the leaves off of the tobacco plants and the girls would be inside the barns um, sewing the leaves onto what is called a lat, which is a long, skinny um, piece of wood. And then you would go and hand that to somebody who worked, uh, one of the guys actually, who was in the barn and they would hang the stuff all the way at the top of the barn. So it might be like a couple guys who have climbed up to different parts of the barn and they'd hand the lat from the bottom guy to the next guy to the next guy, and the, eventually the top guy would um, would hang it in the top of the barn. So um, I may have told the story at some point in our podcast before, but two of the interesting things. So my, my sister and brother also worked, and my brother, who's now a judge in Connecticut, is 6'11". So even in high school, or even when he was in college, before he was a judge, he was still 6'11". So they would bring him into the barns. They loved having him hang the tobacco because that eliminated one of the workers necessary along the, the chain to pass it up because he was the size essentially of two high school boys. So instead of needing four guys or three guys to get the lap to the top of the barn, you might only need two. And the other thing was all of the sewing machines that the girls used to sew the tobacco, they were all the same height. But of course, I was really tall. And the floors of the barns were... were um, were just dirt. So anytime I would go for the first time to a machine, I would spend my first 20 minutes digging a hole in the in the ground so that I could stand on it while sewing the tobacco, stand in it. But then of course when I had to take the my lat of tobacco off the machine and move it over, I'd have to step out of the hole, do that, and it would take maybe a minute to sew one of the lats and you were doing this all day. So it ended up being a really good workout because I was doing like step ups all day and then back into my hole. And if we moved to the new barn, everybody knew, okay, everybody goes and all the girls go and kind of get their machine that they're going to be using. And I went and got the shovel and dug my, it's probably a foot and a half hole that I had to dig so that I could stand in front of the 
the machine at the appropriate height. While you were doing this, and this did- was like in the, this is like in the mid to late. 80s. It's not. <laughs> this isn't. Although it does 1880s. sound like. Yeah, right. Although it does sound like. It could have been the, the story. I'll be telling that story when I'm a grandma, for sure. That's that's like the quintessential. You know, you had kids have it so easy. I was digging holes to stand in, well, sewing tobacco. You You'd go have, home and you have, have the tobacco less, juice stuck in your hands, and it would just stink, and you couldn't get it out. You've more or less used that line on our kids. Yeah, but I've I've never really you've used it on gone me. into the process. Well, yeah, because you're talking about you know the difficulty of sitting in that chair, waiting to as, tap those keys as, on your keyboard. As an old man, <laughs> as a as a kid, I worked I worked unspeakable jobs. Of course, well, and that's why you're not going to speak them. <laughs> right, um, but did you ever feel when you were doing this that you were a character in a John Steinbeck novel? <laughs> No, although that was around the time that I was reading my first Steinbeck. <laughs> and, and I mean, were people cranking hair metal on an AM radio during no, this? No, there was wasn't. It? I don't remember there being music played. Isn't that a shame? We should have at least had like a battery-powered boombox playing powered something Powered by in a there. Sears diehard battery tested, tested in International in. Falls, Minnesota? Yes. Okay, finally, batting cleanup Dr. Gary Siegel in Atlanta. Uh, I do hope. Rebecca and Steve, that you've included the subject line of this note in the podcast. So the subject line is practice, 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 where sports and medicine meet. It sounds like you and Dr. Siegel could have a podcast on, of that same name. I think we could. Uh, while you may have labeled last week's podcast as an exercise in tedium, please know that along with at least dozens of viewers, I smiled and laughed frequently during it while again cycling on a 70-degree Sunday afternoon. I was unable to fact check using the Metro Atlanta Library's telephone information line the following very old joke, so I used the internet. It was thought that the deceased comedian Jack Benny coined the joke, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. According to the New York Times, it's not known to whom to attribute that joke, but it is germane to last week's podcast, so he provides a link. I, I love that he backs up his, uh, his assertions with, with uh, fact checking links. So, Rebecca wondered how the live television anchors and political reporters, ABC's Tom Lamas, CNN's John King, etc., let's not sleep on MSNBC's Steve Kornacki, could adeptly handle a touchscreen in real time, as sometimes Rebecca's infrequent use of the touchscreen is difficult for her. Is that a correct assessment, Rebecca? I never said it was difficult for me. I said they Well, well, perhaps that was his inference, having watched you work a touchscreen. Oh, that's hurtful. I said that they make me tape it ahead of time. They don't let me do it live, and that... But I, I would for the not same reason they don't allow you to operate heavy machinery. That is, I would not say that I have any difficulty at all working the touchscreen. Okay, well let's 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 agree to disagree. No, you we're and Dr. not agreeing Siegel. to disagree. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, the uh, uh, similarly, you both wondered how a scrub technologist or scrub nurse. I love these 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 uh, inside baseball terms. Yes, Scrub technologist or scrub nurse could seamlessly and safely pass medical instruments to a surgeon without injury or error. The answer to both questions has to be practice, practice, practice. I wonder if they they practice it as a as an NASCAR pit crew would practice, you know, a tire change. Do you think they do that, Rebecca? Or if you, if, I don't know. We'll find out. With respect to surgery, sharp instruments such as scalpels, once passed from hand to hand, are now safely put down onto a flat surface for the surgeon to pick up or pass within a small emesis basin, the kidney bean-shaped plastic basin used to catch emesis. Do you have any idea what that is, Rebecca? I, don't, I know. I, I can picture exactly the, the what he's saying, basin, sure. but I don't know what emesis is. E-M-E-S-I-S. 
guessing I don't want to know. Ask your doctor yes. if it's right for you. Uh, other instruments such as clamps, scissors, etc., are indeed passed in a no-look fashion, much like a fancy basketball pass. Mm. No-look pass me that that um, that clamp. I suppose people do it unnecessarily just, just Ju- to show Are about? they just trying to throw people off? Apparently. Below, please find a very short video which demonstrates the above. It was also not available via the Metro Atlanta Library information line. And he, and he, he encloses, embeds, if you will, or even if you won't, a video on the... Uh, on this very subject. I, I can't play it for you now. This is a strictly an audio medium. But can you play it for me later? Can't play it for our audience now, but you could certainly play it for me at some point. Yeah, I, I don't know what you have planned for this <laughs> evening, but sure, I'll play it for you later, this video of, of them. Of passing sc- the amesis basin. Of technologists <laughs> passing the amesis basin, yes. You know, I, I once passed the amesis basin uh, on Delta, just flew over it, and it was majestic from the air, I must say. Uh. Okay. Uh, Rebecca, perhaps you can ask Tom Lamas of ABC. After all, you're both big stars in the ABC family. If he indeed has practiced working the touchscreen or if there's a producer giving him instructions via his earphone. Tom Lamas was the, uh, was the uh, magic, say, wall, magic screen worker on, on ABC's election coverage. Did he say via his earphone? Via his, his, uh, via his earphone, yes. I, I, think, I think he was actually using a sneaker phone. We, we, we call those an IFB. I don't, IFB, even, yes. I don't even know exactly what IFB but listen stands to, for. Listen but listen to you talking down to Dr. Siegel, who, who, who enlightens us with no, medical, I love medical jargon. It. I love that he called it an earphone. I'm, I'm just a li- still a little salty that he's questioning my touchscreen and, and yet you had never, never, you wouldn't know what to call an amesis basin until, until right now. And I'll forget by tomorrow. A- as he will. As you were. Think anybody has ever... Um, served a side dish in an amesis basin <laughs> we first must need to find out oh, I, I'm sure what goes in there but like past the stuffing past the mashed potatoes oh sure this year they're in an amesis basin <laughs> I, I think dr siegel at least once i'd be willing to bet if he hasn't done it yet he will do it after hearing this will sometime has or will serve kidney beans <laughs> in a kidney bean shaped amesis basin do you think that Anyone has ever, like if, if, if they're a loved one or a family member has had to have like a kidney removed, think anyone has ever made a jello mold in the amesis basin so that they then could serve kidney-shaped jello? I, 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 think, I think I can answer that. No, I think it's probably the answer. Since my dad years ago had to have his kidney removed, I'm, I'm disappointed that I'm just now thinking of this idea. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's cold down here. Yes, it's yes. very cold, and it's getting to me. I think it's time that we thank Dr. Siegel. Well, well, uh, has Dr. Siegel, yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, with Tom Lamas and Rebecca Lobo, you could perhaps form a, a Lamas Lobo uh, touchscreen kind of um, and dance. And we just off, need a ding dong, a Lama Lobo ding dong. Well, you know, I've I probably mentioned it ten times in various podcasts, but how many times do do does the name Lamas or the subject of Lamas? come up on the podcast. When it does, I, as you know, I always have to recite in its entirety Ogden Nash's poem, The Llama. And I'm going to do that right now. That's, only a, takes, great, that's a great takes way three to send, seconds, pe- send people away. And then away. we'll send people, send people away yes. even before Maybe. you get to the close. <laughs> yes. This last three seconds. It's, okay. it's the shortest possible poem. Not that's the shortest great. possible poem. That was The Bronx, No Thonks. <laughs> also Ogden Nash. But uh, this one is The One El Llama. He's a priest. The Two El Llama. He's a beast. And I will bet a silk pajama there isn't any 3L llama. Rebecca? 
Denny, Tom DeCari. Please, for the love of Pete. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane, who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous while we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.